Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365. Hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go. Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack. And join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! And a good football Friday, Eagle fans. You got your Mac and Mac guys here for at least a period of today's show. We'll give you the breakdown on that in a second. A football Friday in the dead of the summer. Johnny Mac, I do not, uh, I feel badly for you. I'm not jealous at all that you're going to Eagle practice. Sometime I am. Not today. 90 plus degrees at 9 o'clock in the morning. It's going to be hot out there. J-Mac, stay hydrated. I will say that. Um, and I was a little surprised when you texted me last night and said, as of now, no changes. They're planning on being out there on the field. Yeah. Could have gone inside. They could have gone earlier. They're keeping it as is, eh? Um, yeah. I, I I was a little surprised they didn't move it up an hour. Uh, that's what they did last year when it got really hot. Um, and, you know, try to beat it a little bit because obviously it's not going to be 94 95 till two or three in the afternoon they'll be long off the field anyway but uh the earlier you get um the easier it is so a little bit surprised but uh i i, I mean it, he doesn't bother me i i shouldn't say that because i'll probably collapse today but typically it doesn't bother me it doesn't uh, i you know i'm just standing there i don't have to do what those guys do so typically i'm not one of those guys that it typically doesn't bother me that much but we'll see Good, we'll good on you, but uh, keep the top of that dome covered. In, oh, that's uh, yeah, that's uh, that goes without saying, Jody. Have, have, have water handy just in case. And yes, the Eagle players have been doing a little bit more than you guys standing on the sideline, certainly acknowledged. And the Eagles, with their overall philosophy of less is more, this gives them that much more of an opportunity to do less. And uh, specifically on a day like today. 
you can't even begin to second guess him because around the National Football League, you had two stars go down yesterday, one on a non-contact play. The other one, uh, I guess there was some contact, but uh, the quarterback of the Cincinnati Bengals, Joe Burrow, they're saying that it's just a calf strain, but you never really know. And what does calf strains lead to? And Jalen Ramsey, big trade from the Rams to the Dolphins during the offseason. He and Xavier Howard, as good a corner combination as we have here in Philadelphia, minimum six to eight weeks and maybe season ending. You sure the Eagles are even going to go out there and practice today, John? They want to make sure they stay healthy. Yeah, I mean, I that yesterday was a perfect example of what, and, and Joe Burrow especially, you know, what what the Eagles are probably ahead of the curve. Um, and I and I say, Joe, all this is anecdotal. Like it's not proven. The Eagles might go out there today and somebody gets hurt. Um, again, you can't prevent it. You can't legislate it. You know, that was non-contact, Joe, just if you saw the film, just sort of uh, flushing rights and um, turns out that they caught a break. It's only a calf strain. Now, those can linger um, for a number of weeks, but obviously we're early in the process. But, you know, I saw Zach Taylor talk after the practice and he noted, you know, on, on the first day for Cincinnati, he wasn't wearing that calf sleeve. And on the second day, he was before he got injured. Um, and Zach Taylor just made a quick note of he was sore. Um, and, you know, we joked about it. The Eagles start day one. They do a walkthrough day two. They're back practicing, you know, give the guys a little bit of an opportunity to calm down a little bit from the soreness. And they're very cognizant of those soft tissue injuries. That's the reason they do things the way they do things. Um, I've said it for a while. It's, you know, it's a cost benefit thing, but, but I think the Eagles are right. And I've been pretty consistent with this, even though, look, I'm an old school guy, but the rules are the rules mm-hmm. and you can't prepare like you used to anyway. So then to me, it ships and it says, what's more important that I'm, you know, as, as, prepared as possible for week one uh, or get healthy for week one. I think personally it's be healthy as possible for week one. And then you sort of play through the hiccups and the Eagles have done that. And we go back to last year in Detroit, they started like a house of fire and, 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 and they played poorly in the second half and they held on and, and they got better and better and better. Uh, and one you know, a bunch of games in a row the first season, you know, they were great. They were gangbusters in week one in Atlanta. I think that had more to do with Arthur Smith being completely overmatched. But then people forget they were really sloppy during that two and five start. They were leading the league in penalty. They were extremely, extremely sloppy. And then they were able to uh, fix things as the season wore on. I thought that was a good sign for the coaching staff, you know, not only change the offense, but clean up some of those issues. I, you know, if you can't prepare anyway, you might as well be healthy. That's what it comes down to me. So, and, and again, it's anecdotal. You can't just point to Joe Burrow and say, this is the reason, right. You know, it's bad luck, but it's also an indication because it's a soft tissue injury. It's also an indication that 
maybe you can limit some of those things. Now, if it was an Achilles and people thought it was Achilles at first, that's just that thing's going to go. It's going to go. Uh, ACL, what, what can you do? Um, soft tissue injuries, there's a little bit of room, and I think the Eagles are ahead of the curve. And I think they will put their soft tissue to the test today as minimally as possible. Because in the kind of heat that you guys are going to be looking at, again, yeah, 9 o'clock in the morning, it's not as bad as it's going to get later in the day. But it, it's still hot out there. Mac, I've already been outside. I'm sure you've already been outside with your dog. It's already hot. So yeah. uh, they, they will not be doing too much strenuous stuff today. Um, something that was done indoors yesterday was the renegotiation of Derek Barnett's contract. Um I, I, I'm going to ask you to explain to me the benefit of doing this. What do you think you read into it? He's getting less money overall than if he made the team, but he's guaranteeing him more himself more money right off the bat. So it makes it more difficult to cut him or does it make, make him uh, easier to trade? I'll be honest with you, John. I read through the details and I'm not sure. Usually you, see well why would the players sign off on this why would the team want to do this i'm not sure i understand it from either side either party side <clears throat> well the team you know we, we you and i have talked about Derek barnett a lot the team likes Derek barnett more than most of the fan base certainly more than jody mcdonald uh they they still think Derek's a a, a good player but you know and we talk about it in reverse fashion. You know, we always have that conversation. At some point, we bring up a TJ Edwards or an undrafted guy who hits through. At some point, you got to forget about pedigree. We always say that. And I, I generally I say it all the time. Yeah. And I generally agree with that. But it also works both ways. At some point, you got to forget about he was being a first-round pick and understand, all right, he didn't live up to the billing as a first-round pick, but that doesn't mean he's a terrible football player. He's a... He's a solid rotational player. And this is sort of an adjustment to that realization. He's no longer expected to be what he was expected to be coming out of Tennessee. He's expected to be a rotational part. Now, my question, what I don't understand is how many edge rushers can you use? Now, there's always injuries. We're just talking about injuries. Well, except, heck of an except the Eagles never get injured because they don't practice. So they, they're better at protecting their players from injury if we're talking theoretically. And a whole bunch of this conversation is theoretically because you never know what's going to happen. The Eagles seem to be of the belief that they've got more of a grasp on control well, than I, anybody I, else. I think they do with soft tissue stuff. But again, I brought up you know Achilles tears. Well, two years ago, it was Achilles for Brandon Graham. You, you you never know what's going to happen. It's a heck of an insurance policy. But if everybody's healthy, like I don't know where he fits. So it's it's sort of a, a, a tough sort of juggling act, like a little bit like Andre Dillard, but even less, you know, in the fact that you're keeping him around to, to be an insurance policy. Uh, but he's not going to get a lot of playing time if the four guys in front of him are, are healthy. Um, you know, from my standpoint, I say they're renegotiating. That's more of an indication to me. They're going to keep them than trade them, but it, it doesn't prevent them. It's not like you got a no trade clause. 
maybe as it goes down the road, they feel more comfortable. They think Nolan Smith's ready to go as a rookie. They say, you know what? Let's spin them off and try to get something. And maybe it even makes it a little more palatable. You get a little bit more coming back with a more manageable number. So I don't think it prevents anything, but they want to keep them. And all I can point to is, and I kind of said it yesterday, or was I on yesterday? Everything runs together. Um, They got to be carried by this defensive line. Uh, they really got to be carried. I mean, the corners are very good. I don't want to downplay those guys. Um, but uh, up the middle, they got some issues. And that, you know, the better they are up front, the easier it is on those guys uh, at linebacker and safety. Um, and and they're really good up front. But it, but where's that where's that sort of line? Like at some point. You got to get the best players reps and as good as the backups are, they're not as good as the starters. So where is that sort of balancing line? And they have so much, they have so much depth on the defensive line. You know, I'm I'm trying to figure out, I, I, I told you yesterday, Jody, day one, I was surprised how much Jordan Davis got work with, with the four man fronts. Right. Like, if you're trying to get him on the field in the four-man fronts, well, boy, I mean, that's going to affect somebody. It's going to affect Pletcher. It's going to affect Jalen Carter, Milton Williams most notably. These are all good players, all good players. And the same thing with, with the edge. I mean, you're already starting to think, if Nolan Smith shows up and 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 you know, they have the luxury of waiting for Nolan Smith and, but he's really impressive physically. He's, he's, he's just really gifted. And it, and if he does show up and he becomes uh, 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 really, it becomes really evident that he belongs on the field, then you're already taking reps away from Brandon Graham at, you know, and at 34, 35, that's not the worst thing in the world. Um, but, but you want Hassan Reddick on the field in key situations. You want Josh Sweat on the field in key situations. You know, at some point, it's a nice problem to have, but at some point, it becomes a problem because you got to get guys in there. You got to get guys reps. If Brandon Graham plays the same as he did last year, I think Eagle fans should be happy with that. I think the coaching staff should be happy with that. Most importantly, I think Brandon should be happy with that. I, I don't see him playing more snaps, as good a season as he had last year, and arguably had one of the best seasons he ever did. If you're a sack guy like me, numero uno at the top of the list. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how he's going to go in. And, and Brandon's just not that kind of guy. And getting the coach's ear and go, how am I not getting snapped? How do you pull me on that play? Why wasn't I out there? That's not Brandon Graham. So he's not the one I worry about. I hear what you're saying, John. They got a lot of choices to make on that defensive line. And there's probably going to be a couple of guys who aren't happy with as many times as their number is called. Yeah, I don't think Brandon Graham is one of them. No, I, and Brandon was already talking about it on Wednesday. You know, he knows his role is to to sort of pay it forward and get these guys ready. And it's nice. I think I mentioned Brandon and 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 Darius Slay with that. But I wasn't even talking about more about guys being unhappy with playing time. That's true. That's part of it. 
um, guys will be unhappy. But also, even if they are good soldiers, and you're right, Brandon's going to be first in line to be the good soldier. Mm -hmm. But even if they're all good soldiers, you, you, how effective are you going to be if you're getting a handful of snaps? You know, a lot of these guys need to get the feel of the game and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, this is the kind of stuff you talk about with a really good team because they're too deep almost. Um, and, and, you know, too deep can turn into just right if you suffer injuries, as we said, you know, two years in a row. Brandon torn Achilles, Barnett torn ACL. So, you know, history says somebody's going to get banged up, and that's what I think the Eagles are thinking here. Um, and, you know, it's a nice insurance policy. I will say that. Right. I If you can have too many players or not enough players, oh, that's a really easy choice. Which one are you going to take? Too many players every day of the week and twice on Sundays. I um, do want to ask you about uh, something. I We touched on this briefly yesterday, but didn't uh, cover it uh, enough for me. Nick Sirianni opening press conference with Howie Roseman um, after – all off season talking about how many times he watched the Super Bowl and he likes to go through the mud and be able to correct himself. He came out and just basically said, forget the Super Bowl. Uh, yes, they, there's nothing they can do about it, that they have to be able to just go one day at a time from here on in. He says it with conviction every time he says it. You think his team is bought into his... The Super Bowl now doesn't exist. We've moved on. It's a whole new season. We have to get better from day. Tomorrow we know a bunch of the mottos that he uses. Do you think the team has been able to do that the same way the coach has? No. <laughs> no. I mean, I just saw A.J. Brown on somebody's sort of video log or whatever it is and talking about how much holding there is uh, – uh, in the NFL from defensive backs. And he said they never call it, but they called it one time in the Super Bowl. So it's still in the forefront of a lot of guys' mind. Look, man, they thought they were the better team. They thought they outplayed Kansas City and they lost the game. And they're tremendously disappointed. I think that there's some guys, Jalen Hurts, probably number one on that list, that are capable of putting it, blushing it, as he likes to say, mm -hmm. a little bit quicker than other guys. Um, AJ, we've heard. Brandon, we've heard. Uh, talk about uh, some of the uh, disappointment. It's human nature. That's, that's what Nick has to deal with. That's part of it. That's part of the Super Bowl hangover. The part of the the human nature aspect of, of sighing and saying, oh, we were there right there about to grab the flag. And then you get kicked off the top of the mountain and then you got to go back up the mountain again. Um, it's difficult, but, you know, Nick Sirianni has been hyper-focused on that. Um, I think it's relatively easy for him, but he acknowledged um, before when he was talking to us leading up to training camp, you know, he's been, he's been saying this since he got here, you know, get, get 1% better each day, you know, don't worry about tomorrow, worry about today. 
he's been preaching this since he got here uh, long before the Super Bowl. And he's cognizant that the longer he's here, he's got to change the message a little bit. He's got to find different ways to, to tweak it and, and make sure people uh, subscribe to it and all that kind of stuff. It sounds simple, but it's easier said than done. Um, you know, we're constantly looking ahead, looking at the schedule. Well, they're human beings too. The players are looking ahead. They're looking at schedules. Um, they've been very good at it, you know, keeping the players focused. We'll see if they can be as good as it this year. But it is, it is I think it's a tougher hurdle than people realize. I will say that. And I just almost have to laugh the whole, we got to get 1% better today and then go out and practice for 38 minutes. Uh, uh, Even it's just 1%, it's kind of tough to do. They're banking on the talent that the players have accrued over their years, certainly in the league as a Philadelphia Eagle, that they don't have to get repetitious with practices and the like. So how much really are you improving? No, you're, you're, well, you know, Nick, Nick always points out there, <laughs> they do a ton of stuff that nobody sees and the, and the players. And, you know, I saw Gino Smith talking about, uh, he turned down uh, the show, the quarterback show as well. And, and he was talking about, you know, he liked the show because he, it, it, it gave the fans an indication of what quarterbacks go through. Uh, during the week to prepare to play. There's so much that I don't see, never mind fans don't see. There's so much. So when Nick, and Nick always says, they did a walkthrough yesterday. They had meetings. They were there. We weren't there, but they were there. They were working. They had meetings. They had walkthroughs. So when he says get 1% better every day, he's talking to each individual player, get a little bit better each and every day, no matter what you're doing. And then from the, the football standpoint, I got to be honest with you. And I, I said this, I don't know how, I, I don't know how, and maybe Ted Rath is a name I should mention a little bit more. The Eagles are one of the best conditioned teams in the NFL. They proved it last year. They proved it the year before. I don't know how, I don't know how they're doing something because they're not on the practice field. And yet, you know, they go up tempo and the other team is gassed and they're not gassed. Uh, they're doing something. And and I wish I could tell people what they're doing. Well, it, then maybe you can share this with the people. Um, was widely reported that all the Eagles passed their conditioning tests, but they've got to take a test before they ever take the field for the first time. Do you know what that con- conditioning test uh, is what it includes, what you need to do to quote unquote pass the conditioning test. Yeah, it, it's not that big of a deal. It's you know you just you know in the old days you're just running the field and doing certain things and obviously different positions. You know, I remember Jalen Rager failed. That was a big deal because um, you know receivers, NFL receivers, are in, even when they're in bad shape, they're in good shape. But it it you know, it, it's a floating scale for different positions. Um, obviously receivers have to do things a little bit more quickly than offensive linemen, defensive linemen. So everybody's got that sort of gauge, but yeah, it's not that 
that part's not that big of a deal. It's nice to have. It's and and it's usually when somebody fails their conditioning, like when Jalen did, he, you know, his best friend passed away. He was in a bad place, you know, sort of mentally, um, and and he passed it like two days later. Um, so gen- generally, that what that's what happens. So I w- I wouldn't put too much stock in that other than it's nice to have nobody starting on the pup list, but overall, yeah, I mean, and, and I mentioned it last year a couple of times because they, they were so good with tempo and I'm like, with, with Chip Kelly, I mean, the, yeah, but let the- me, let me ask you this, John, you referenced this earlier in the show. They kind of ran out of the gas in second half against Detroit in the opener last year. Were they finally conditioned for that? If or did they just? Well, maybe not. Maybe 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 not in week one. And that's you know that's part. There's no doubt. Look, they're they're not a they're not going to be at their optimum level week one in 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 Foxborough. They're not. I mean, they're not. Um, they persevered, as I said, both seasons under Nick Sirianni to win those games. And I think people forget year one. Oh, they beat Atlanta, but again, they were pretty crappy for the next number of weeks, both from a sloppiness standpoint. Um, so, I mean, that, it's not like they're not giving up something by doing things the way they're doing them. Uh, but again, that's that's the cost-benefit part of it. I think the benefit outweighs the cost. But they're, they're you know, the first couple games are like, they're they're trying to get up to speed. There's, well, then, there's how no do we determine it. that they are a finally conditioned team as you described them as? Well, as the season wore on, again they they would they would run tempo all the time, and I would watch other teams get gassed, and they're just going and going and going and successful, 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 um, and it it to the point where it it raised an eyebrow. Now maybe it's just. They got better players. I mean, that's part of it, but better players get tired. I, I bring up the Georgia guys all the time because one of the knocks on Jordan Davis was his conditioning. Not every player. One of the knocks on him was his, uh, a, a rookie. Every single Georgia player, every single Georgia player says, Jordan Davis has said it, Jalen Carter said it already, Nicobe Dean says it all the time. I haven't talked to Nolan about it, but he'll say it. Um, every single one of them says we, we we did this is easy because we had tougher practices at Georgia, um, which I firmly believe. I'm not; they're not lying. Um, but you know, Georgia's not ready to play. One of the big questions about uh, well, a lot of snaps. One of the big questions. Uh, with Jalen Carter is conditioning. How many snaps can he play? A part of that is because they rotated so much at Georgia. But, you know, the Eagles are ready to play. And I can't necessarily explain it when they get going other than the stuff they're doing behind the scenes. And that's why I say maybe I should bring up Ted Rath a little bit more because, you know, he's the, I think his title is, player performance, VP of player performance. So he's, he's essentially the head strength and conditioning guy. Um, they're doing a good job with that. 
I know you got to go. No, you have to talk to Coach Deshaun Desai first. They rotate coaches on a daily basis. Sirianni was one. You get the coordinators rest of the week. Sean Desai going to make any definitive statements after two days of practice? Going to step out and go, and this player has looked great so far. You, you think he'll be yeah. playing his cards close to the best? I think like a I, guy who wants to talk, Johnny Mac. Yeah, I think it's going to be very close to the best because Nick is so involved. Like, you know, you know in, on, on Wednesday, when the defense was messing up, it was Nick screaming at them, not Sean Desai. So, you know, Nick, Nick has got his fingerprints on this team. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Sean is going to be more close to the best. But you'll get I, – I said Sean's good with branding. You'll get some, some you know, palpable stuff, aggression – You'll get some stuff the fans like. If I if I were there, and I'm not going to be, uh, the one question I would ask Coach Desai would be, was that a hold on Bradbury in the Super Bowl? Uh, see what kind of a... Well, he'll say I wasn't here. I can't. You know, do you easy. think he didn't watch the Super Bowl? You don't yeah, think he's going to go off. there, that's do easy you? To, that's easy to pend off, yeah. You say, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not involved with that. I wasn't, I wasn't even here. That's, right. that's and then a, my follow-up would be, are you telling me you didn't watch the Super Bowl? I You're not getting an answer, Jody. I, I always say, one thing fans, people don't realize, you know, you want us to ask certain questions. We're not asking questions we're not getting answers to. Like, we know, and, and that's not to say we do things because we ask, ask bad questions all the time. We ask questions that we don't get answers to. They try to right. shut us down. However... You know, at training camp, when there's 80 guys, the last thing you want to do is blow a question, and then he, he moves to the next I get, guy. And I 100% get and understand where you're coming from, and I agree with you. It's a different setting. Yeah, see, because you're there every single day, and you got to continue to do the job. You got to I don't give up flying, you know what? So I just get him on the record about I get him on the record not getting on the record about whether or not Bradbury's playing the Super Bowl was all. Or at least I'd try. All right, uh, go try hard yourself, but stay dry. Get get your uh, water in. Make sure you got that bucket hat. I'll see you back here on Monday, bud. All right, thanks, Jody. Appreciate it. And thanks, Mark Barzetta. I see you in the green room. Billing Mark, in. Mark, there yeah. I got a thumbs to, up. Uh, pick up the slack for Johnny Mac. He's got to get to the uh, over to Eagles camp for a day in the sun. Good luck with that, bud. All right, I'm going nowhere fast. I'm coming back. And, yes, Mark Farzad is going to join me. He's going to hold down the fort, jumping in for Johnny Mac for the next hour and a half here on Birds 365.
you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go birds! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust. Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left. Fake a mom. Mama, go. Oh, mama! She did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. E A G L E S. Eagles. You got Judy McDonald. I'm going nowhere fast. God bless John McMullen. He's off to Eagles camp over in South uh, Philly. It's going to be hot out there today. And it's going to be hot for the next however many, like 10 days. Yeah, I like sitting in the comfort and climbs of uh, broadcast studio in the uh, Shea McDonald home. Mark Forzetta <laughs> likes doing the same. He doesn't look sweaty at all. No. You're not sweating, are you, Forzetta? No, I, I did. I did all the lawn work yesterday. I did the uh, the, the trimming. I did the mowing, and then you, uh, just hung did out. You really get out there and do that? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, see, the difference is, and and you know this, Jody. We just we made the move to the suburbs, and in the suburbs, we happened to we bought a house that has a pool. So there's that there's that carrot at the end of the you know at the end of the treadmill or whatever. So when you get done all the yard where yeah, you jump right in the pool and all of a sudden it's an attitude adjustment. Well, I'm glad you got the pool action in, uh, but there's no chance. The only thing I did was pick up the dog's droppings in the backyard, and I was out there for about five minutes. I forget this. If I miss one, I don't give a you-know-what. If the guy comes to cut the lawn today, I'm gonna mess up his mower. I'm not outside. <laughs> And McMullen's going to stand there for an hour. What is he nuts? But you got to do what you got to do to cover and talk about the Philadelphia Eagles. And we surely appreciate you are jumping in with us, uh, filling in for Johnny Mac today. And I just got your text telling you, uh, it's you and I for the next hour and a half because I have never had such a poor reception for <laughs> guest requests. And I didn't even hit guys who come on the show all the time because I already know that they're going to be down to practice. So it eliminates a whole bunch of possibilities before you even start the show. I'll tell you who I reached out to yesterday. Ooh. All right. Mac now. Oh, Marcus what? Hayes. Cause I knew Marcus Hayes wasn't down there the other day. So I figured, Oh, he might be, he's off and he's out of town. 
Uh, Kevin Kincaid, Carson Broad. Yep. Uh, buddy of mine from Sirius XM's NFL uh, network already left for his, his camp work. He's in Arizona. He goes, yeah, I'm not getting up at 6.50 for you, Jody. Sorry, I'm in uh, Arizona for the camp. Um, uh, Andrew Dicheco, I didn't know which of the inside the birds guys were going to be there, inside the Eagles guys going to be there, not there. Uh, he couldn't do it. Uh, Damo, no can do. Matty V, my buddy Vertoram from Sports Illustrated. Ross Tucker, no. And the final... Ricky Ricardo, I put the request out this morning. All the other ones I hit last night. Ricardo said, yeah, I'm going to be somewhere over Carolina at that time. He was just getting onto a plane. He had a day off from the Yankees. So he ran home to Florida to get something done. And now he's got to fly back up and call the Yankee game tonight. So that's an 0 for an 11, Farzetta. Wow. Wow. And not one did I mention with Mark Farzetta. Because if I had done that, then I knew I was taking an 0 for an 11. So I just <laughs> kept it all on me. I took the 0 for 11. So you and I are going to BS about the Eagles for the next hour and 25 minutes if you're up for it. Well, that is that is Yeoman's work, my friend. Um, uh, Yeoman's work. The, um, the the thing that does suck is about doing a show is that the booking guest part is always rough. And you were kind enough to come on my show this morning. We talked a little baseball. But it, 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 it you always feel like, you know, we're, we're trying to interrupt somebody's day to come in and just talk some birds in this case. Yeah, that can be a, that can be a rough one, especially training camp time. And and uh, we've got some very good and loyal guys, and very good when they come on the air with us. So I'm, I'm overall not complaining. It just all seemed to add up in uh, the last 24 hours, and everybody's out of touch, everybody's out of hand. But that's okay. You and I got plenty to talk about. Certainly. Which, where I want to start with you is the same place I started with John. Well, actually, no. Uh, we just talked about the weather, John and I, first. But then we got to the fact that indoors, uh, climate-controlled, the Eagles renegotiated Derek Barnett's contract yesterday. And I'm it, 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 not a massive renegotiation, not a massive changing of funds. He's getting more guaranteed dollars, but he's getting less overall dollars. So I guess it means the Eagles believe that they're going to keep him. They're not going to cut him or they're going to trade him because they're saving some money under the salary cap itself, but they're potentially paying more out of pocket if if Derek Barnett, like, stinks these next two weeks and he can't beat anybody. And they go, yeah, he's just not the same player anymore after this injury. Past the physical, so they, they're not going to have to worry about uh, him uh, being a medical release. But if he just doesn't have it anymore, yeah, they're going to have to pay him uh, 3.5 million anyway, where it was only 1.5. Um, and John and I uh, kicked around a little bit. So I want to get your take on how do you evaluate a guy like Derek Barnett? Cause I fight all the time. It annoys the snot out of me when I think people evaluate players on where they were drafted and they're in year three mm -hmm. or year four or year five. And they're still being looked at as, uh, you know, he was only a six round pick. I don't give a you-know-what if he was a sixth-round pick if he's going out there and killing it his first two years. But people hold where a player was drafted and what their resume says they're supposed to be. When you have enough of an example to judge a guy for what he's actually done rather than what you thought he was going to done or what he was supposed to do because this was where he was drafted, pedigree, I hate that word. I love it in horse racing. I hate it in <laughs> sports specifically national football league yeah there are some people that still look at a guy's draft status i have no 
uh, rating of Derek Barnett because of where he was drafted. John is right. That's done. That's over. That's gone. Here's what I look at, though, and I think this is fair. He's gotten paid pretty well. <laughs> He's a first-round draft pick, and that means your your contract pays and plays accordingly going forward. I think that's very fair. At some point, you got to let somebody's draft status go and forget about it. But as long as you're making good money, big money, well, then that's the way you should be judged. Is that a fair way to judge a guy five years into his career in the NFL? I think it's more than fair. I mean, most people don't even like adhering to the judge a draft three years after the draft. We like to judge that draft immediately that night. But when it comes to Derek Barnett, this I know and I agree with you. Based on what you do in the NFL, that's how you should be evaluated. But Derek Barnett, if he's not a first-round pick, is not getting the multiple chances that he's had. He's not re-signing with the Eagles. He's not restructuring with the Eagles. He's gone. Howie Roseman drafted him, and in that draft class, he took a guy like Sidney Jones, and already that didn't work out, and he was supposed to be the steal of the draft. So now your first-round pick in Derek Barnett hasn't really worked out either. And I know the Eagles have maintained a lot of hope and optimism surrounding Derek Barnett now through two different coaching regimes. The bottom line is Howie Roseman wants to make sure that he gets some juice out of that pick. You got to play, you got to play in the Super Bowl, him falling on the, the ball that fell in the right place at the right time, thanks to Brandon Graham. Then that's what a lot of people think of. But then right on the other side of it, it's the total other end of the spectrum. It's a guy who has to this point been a bust. It's a guy that has provided that one great memory and then a hell of a lot of disappointment after that. The Eagles are just trying to make sure that they, they've tried everything to get something out of this first-round pick. And he also happens to play a position and with a position group that the Eagles have a lot of value for, and that's rushing the passer. And they still think that if he is healthy, if he's fully recovered from this ACL tear, he's going to come out and he is going to actually show you that he was worthy of that first round pick all those years ago. And they'll be able to show you that they were right because right after the money, right after the pick, these guys in the front office of any NFL front office, they never like being wrong, especially when it comes to that first round pick. So as far as the restructure goes, when it comes to Howie Roseman and it comes to cap numbers or it comes to salaries or guaranteed money, there's very few things that I'll look at somebody in this position of power and go, oh, I'm sure it's fine. Well, Howie Roseman's one of those guys that I'll look at and go, yeah, I'm sure this is a good move because Howie does not make a lot of cap mistakes, and I don't think he's going to make one when it comes to Derek Barnett. And people have different ways of evaluating and rating players. Uh, some people like PFF, Pro Football Focus. Other people can't stand it. I think it's pretty darn good, but they don't get everything right. And uh, analytics – are tough to use for a defensive lineman because a lot of it has to do with how much a team is dictating their offensive line toward your side, toward you individually. So you might not even have a chance, but that's the only thing we have to go on is numbers, is uh, using a guy's statistics to see what kind of job he's done. Um, Oh, you you and I have never talked about this. McMullen and I get into this all the time. Um, How do you look at pressures for a defensive lineman the stat category of pressures which number one is a little subjective to begin with so you need an official scorer who there's that cutting edge did you actually force the quarterback to let you didn't touch him right how many feet do you have to be within him did he release the ball any quicker because he felt your presence it's a it's a very subjective stat, but yeah. how do you feel about judging a defensive uh, end like uh, Barnett 
via pressures? I, I like something that's a little bit more specific. I mean, pressures, it's nice to see you got there. Okay, I'm not going to say I'm not going to dispel it. I'm not going to say that I put a lot of stock into it, but it's nice to see that you got there because it's important to get there. What I look at a lot of times, and it has to do with the Eagles, especially last year because they were one of the best teams, if not the best team to do this, it's beating your man. It's the time it takes to get past your man, get past your assignment. Because as we know, especially when you have a team that has 70 sacks like the Eagles did last year, quarterbacks, the number one thing they're going to be doing when that becomes your MO, when that becomes your reputation, is they're going to get rid of the ball quickly. So you can get that pressure, but if the quarterback's getting rid of the ball in a second and a half, you don't have a lot of time to get after the quarterback, unfortunately. So what I look for is guys like Brandon Graham, Josh Sweat, this year Derek Barnett, let me see the amount of time it takes to beat your man, especially if it's a one-on-one situation where you just got to beat a man either on the outside or try to cut him inside, whatever it is. If you can get that done quickly, I'll pay a lot more attention to that stat, which the Eagles were great at and excelled at last year, than it will necessarily the pressure. Because the pressure has to do with a whole bunch of other things. It has to do with what kind of coverage you're in, has to do whether or not you're in press coverage, which obviously with the Philadelphia Eagles we don't see a lot of over the years. But if you're beating the man in front of you in top time throughout the NFL compared to other edge rushers, defensive ends, linebackers, whatever you want to say, then if you're doing that at a high rate, then I think you're going to have a lot of success, and that's going to lead to pressures. Pressures could also be a quarterback is dancing around behind the pocket for too long, and you're still fighting with your man for you know three seconds, four seconds, and then he happens to roll to your side, and you force him to throw it away. That could also be a pressure. But I love that one-on-one stuff. I love if you're able to being uh, being able to beat double teams, and we'll also be able to tell if that number is better this year in terms of beating the man in front of you with Fletcher Cox, Jalen Carter, and obviously Jordan Davis in his second year. If they're taking up those double teams in the middle of the line of scrimmage, you can't continue to make sure you're rolling protection to stop Hassan Reddick or stopping Nolan Smith or stopping Derek Barnett. Let's hope that he is a big part of that as well, or Josh Sweat at the same time. So I think. When I look at the time it takes to beat your man, that's what I'll look at more so than just the pressures. The stopwatch can be very telltale. You are mm-hmm. right on that. Um, and John always makes the argument, he goes to one particular play, which for his side of the argument, it certainly is fitting. Chris Long and his NFC Championship game, he got the pressure on, forced the pass to come out early, picked off, taken to the house, pick six. Yeah, that did he get a sack on the plate? No. Did Chris Long even get a hit on the plate? No. Was he a big reason why the Eagles got a pick six and turned the game around on that given play? Yes. So that's as great an example as you can come up with as sure. what a pressure can actually mean. But you can just as easily get a pressure on a 60-yard touchdown going the other way by the other team. And we never look at, well, oh, so what? He got a press. No, it just goes down in a column. It's a pressure. It was a pressure that meant nothing, mm-hmm. got nothing done, actually may have hurt because the quarterback decided to get the ball out quicker, which lent itself to a uh, completed pass and off at 60 yards. So that's why I'm not as big a fan of, of Pred. There are three uh, stats that you can look at with a pass rushing end like uh, Derek Barnett. Pressures hits and sacks mm-hmm. and the further you up the food chain to me the more important it is pressures yeah. Eh, eh, okay fine hits all right well at least you know you made him pay a price sacks you win <laughs> i like to win when you get a sack you have won there's a big difference between the three for me and yet they follow all of them um here's why i 
I'm sorry. I, it seems like a, I'm a Derek Barnett hater, and maybe I am. Uh, in the league, in his time in the National Football League, his sacks per year, five as a rookie, two and a half his second year. And I get already only played in six games. Six and a half in 2019, five and a half in 2020, and he had two in 2021. And, of course, he got hurt first game of, of last year. So that's a grand total of 21 and a half sacks over six years in the National Football League. Mm. I'm sorry. And he was paid as a first-round draft pick. They picked up his fifth-year option, which means a big paycheck in that year. Yeah, that's not good enough. I'm sorry. I know he's okay with tackles, and um, everybody loves him. That He's a hard worker, and he's a dedicated guy, and uh, that counts for something. Not enough. Uh, but it counts for something. I won't just dismiss that. The other thing that you don't often check when you see stats, and you know this, and all the diehard Eagle fans know this, he's kind of infamous for taking penalties and penalties specifically at bad times. So you need to factor that in. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I just, uh, it was rookie year. Fine. He's a first round draft pick. Was he overdrafted when they're comparing him to Reggie white? Cause he reset the sack numbers in Tennessee. That was a mistake Eagle fans, but he just, uh, with the salary that he's been taking down, he just hasn't been a good enough player for the Philadelphia Eagles. And with yesterday's restructure, Looks like he's going to be here again, Farzi. I, I think most people, and I'll look, I'll look at the people in the chat here as well, but I, I think most people look at Derek Barnett and be, and I think their attitude is, okay, show me. Like the, the front office has confidence in you because the front office took you in the first round and they're still paying you. And they're, like you said, they're picking up the option and restructuring and all that. But okay, like, show me. Like, show me you're worth that pick. Show me you're worth this money. Show me you're worth a five year roster spot at least. And look, again, the play of the Super Bowl, him being in the right place, right time, that's great. But the other end of the spectrum is, is has he been an impactful player since he has been drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles? And I think the answer is a resounding no. You're a first-round pick. You're having this You're having this many years with the squad already. You, you should be an impactful player. And whether it's injury, whatever the case may be, a learning curve, the three-year grade on a draft, whatever the case may be. The bottom line is he has not been an impactful player with the Philadelphia Eagles the way a first-round pick should be and with the way the Eagles value defensive linemen. Like, throughout the Nick Sirianni era, it has not been a blitz-happy era. Uh, even the tail end of Jim Schwartz's time here in Philadelphia has not been blitz-happy. That been relying on the wide nine. So the Eagles rely on pressures and sacks and all that based on beating the man in front of you. They're four-man yep. front, five-man front, beat, winning battles at the line of scrimmage. So if Derek Barnett isn't winning those battles and he's not being impactful, then what is it you say you do here, really? So I think this is a year where it's put up or shut up. I think most Eagles fans are looking at Derek Barnett with doubt, but they're also looking at him with, all right, all this stuff, show me your worth. Five years in the NFL. Show me you're worth this roster spot. Show me you're worth being a first-round pick. Money is money. Howie will take care of that. Jeffrey Lurie certainly will take care of that. They've proven that in the past. But if you're an Eagles fan and you're looking at Derek Barnett with great doubt, I think everyone around you understands why. But that doesn't mean that you want to see him flourish. I don't know anybody that's rooting against anybody on the roster. So go out there and show me. Go out there and show me that you could be a – a 10-sack guy. Go and show me you can be an 8-sack guy. Show me you can play for an entire season and be an impactful player. That's what we're waiting for. Farzi, another story that 
I wouldn't say broke yesterday, but new information came forth and was released. And I'm glad I'm talking to you this about this because I already know what John's response would be if I brought this up with him. They made it official. They will break out the Kelly green jersey on Monday. They will be available for sale on Tuesday for the Philadelphia Eagle fans. Mm. Now, John's stance is he doesn't care one iota. Our good friend, I know you're tight with him too, Ruben Frank said the same thing. If you ask me 20 minutes after the game what color the Eagles were wearing, I couldn't tell you that he is so narrow focused on football that he just completely ignores the uniform. Mm. If it were a 50-50 thing right down the middle, I would be with those guys. I'm more football than uniform, but I'm not as over the top. I don't give a fly and you know what. <laughs> I I like the uniforms. I like certain colors more than others. I even buy into the little uh, depends on the combination of the shirt and the pants. Is that a good mix? Does it help you win? It has no impact, but it's fun to just BS about you. When they wear the green pants with the gray shirt, uh, it doesn't work. They, their record is one and six. No, it has more to do with the players than the, the combination of the jersey and the pants but it's fun i like to talk about it because it's fun does it have any impact on a game none but it's fun for the fan base and and for us to talk about are you a kelly green guy for us? Uh, yeah absolutely i'm a kelly green guy I, I love it i've been i've been waiting for it i've i've asked so many players over the years why we won't see it one player in particular telling me you'll never see it because the lorries hate kelly green and all the stuff that Jeffrey Lurie had been saying up to this point about, uh, it, oh, yeah, we're working on it. It's coming back. And I'm like, really? Are you really working on it? Are you, is it really that much of a priority? And I understand why it wouldn't be. But from a business perspective, you're then selling other jerseys with that Kelly Green on. So that looks pretty good, too. Um, but I love it. And I, I think we all, I think most people love, I'll say most people, I think most people love that nostalgia. I think most people want to look back to their childhood, even if it wasn't a winning childhood, right? Even if the Eagles weren't a very good football team in that Kelly Green. And you got to go back to like 48, 49, and 1960 with the last time that the Philadelphia Eagles won a championship in the Kelly Green. All right. So that was even before the Super Bowl. All right. And then they win the Super Bowl in the Midnight Green, which obviously helps that color a little bit. But I love the nostalgia of it. I love the look of it. I know there's a lot of proud Irish in our area that absolutely love that Kelly Green for that reason. But I just think it's a cool color. I know it, it does not have an impact on whether or not I root for the Eagles or want them to win or it does have an impact on the game. Um, there's only one time I remember a Philadelphia Eagles saying something about a jersey color making them play better. And it was Connor Barwin saying that wearing the all black jerseys made him feel faster, whatever that means. The Kelly Green, I think, is a, is a great thing. I love that they're finally bringing it back. And of course, the Eagles would tell you they're bringing it back, not tell you when they're bringing it back, but at least let you know when you could buy it in the pro shop. So there you go. Um, right. Well, I, they, I'm for they're going to display it tomorrow. Then you can buy it in the pro shop. Then they're going to figure out which game they're going to wear. Right. So the, 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 the leaking out of Kelly Green information has been a little disjointed. Mm-hmm. Um, so you were an Eagle fan in your teens when they were wearing when Randall and Reggie were how how uh, how did the Kelly Green evolve with Mark Farzet and his Eagle fandom? I gotta I don't think that because they were in the Meadowlands. 
I don't think they're wearing the Kelly Green. I mean, they had Kelly Green in the uniform, but I think they're wearing the white jerseys. Um, I remember the game, Randall, did he break his ankle? He got hurt, had to leave the game against the Jets. I think it was um, – Oh, that was – you know what was famous about that game? What? Maybe the greatest interception return in the history of the National Football League. Eric Allen? Eric Allen yeah. went back and forth and sideways, and he ran about 180 yards. The football field's only 100 yards, but that's how much <laughs> Eric had to travel to get into the end zone. Mm-hmm. And I still to this day say that that should get Eric Allen in the Hall of Fame just by itself. <laughs> No, they don't even take into consideration anything else he did in his career. That one play should have him in the Hall of Fame. It's a crime that he's not in it already. But that was the same game. Randall got hurt that Eric Allen picked off that pass. Do you remember how that – so he scores the touchdown. Do you remember what he did after he scored the touchdown? Yeah, Randall was under the goalposts, on yeah. the crutches, and he went yeah. over and he tried to give the ball to Randall. So, Jody, I'm nine years old. Okay. We, I, I was, I was born in Ambler and then we moved around a little bit and then we came back to the Philadelphia area. So we moved like four times between birth and nine years old for me. That's the end of my family history story. Okay. So I'm back in the Philadelphia area. I started liking some other teams like the 49ers. I kind of liked the New York Giants because for some stupid reason, I like Dave Meggett. I don't know. And then I watched this game with the Eagles. And I see Randall Cunningham, and he's a guy I had heard about as a kid, never really got the chance to watch him. And he's throwing these passes, and I'm really watching him, and he's scrambling around, and I'm like, this guy's a lot of fun, you know? And then he gets hurt, and he leaves the game. And I'm like, oh, that guy I liked is gone. Whatever, that sucks. And then Eric Allen intercepts the pass, runs it back, and I see Randall sitting under the goalpost. And I'm like, oh, cool, he's still there at the game. He's hurt, but he's got the crutches, and he's still watching his team. That's cool. And then Eric Allen gives him the ball, and I'm like, wow. These guys all must really love him too. I'm like, I'm gonna love Randall Cunningham, nice. and then that's my—I swear—that's my earliest memory of uh, Eagles fandom uh, was watching that game and seeing. I think they had the Kelly Green numbers, but it was a white jersey. And yeah, they were white yeah. that day. You're right. Yeah, yeah. The green green helmets with the silver bird wing down the side, which was also pretty damn cool. Yeah, yeah but you're right. They were in white that day. Uh, I'm a Kelly Green guy. With a name like McDonald, do I really have a choice? <laughs> no, you Kelly don't. Green. Yeah, really. I was, I was a Kelly Green guy before I ever moved to Philadelphia. So, yeah, I'm glad it's coming back. I'm interested to see what game they pick. Um, I just am glad that it came back. And uh, I will forever. Your, your, is your guy Randall Cunningham your guy, the number My, one guy? Uh, absolutely. I, uh, that's, I own maybe two, three jerseys, and one of them is the Kelly Green Randall Cunningham. Absolutely. Yeah. See, for me, it was Reggie. Um, when I think just uh, what first comes to mind, if I think Eagles, Kelly Green, it's Reggie White and Kelly Green because he, he's just bigger than Randall, period. So it's more 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 to cover there. But uh, and also he's a Hall of Famer, Randall, not quite to that level. Yeah, that's that's the first name that comes to mind for me when I think Eagles, Kelly Green. That might be the greatest jersey. The Reggie White Kelly Green jersey might be the greatest jersey, like period. Yeah, like right. I just love that jersey. I love that look. If you are an Eagle fan, uh, that's one you want to. And I'm sure they'll come out with retros, and you get an old Reggie White jersey. But if you've got the old one, now it's getting old. I hopefully you know, you only wash it a couple of times a year. You only wear it a couple of times a year. You only wash it a couple of times a year because if it's 25 years old, it would be a little getting a little ratty around the corner. Yeah, yeah, hopefully, a little bit. 
you've taken good care of your Reggie White uh, Kelly Green jersey. And he's Mark Farzette. I'm Jody McDonald. We are Birds 365 today. Johnny Mack already headed over to the Novacare Complex. Sean Desai will speak before practice, and then the Eagles will. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Actually go through a practice or work through uh, some exercise. Don't know exactly how much they're going to get done in today's heat. Uh, But I'll ask uh, Farzi about Sean Desai and what his job is going to be this year. First thing he's got going for him. He's not Jonathan Gannon, and that means there are some people here in town that like him before he ever does anything. We'll talk a little bit about the Eagles' new D.C. when we come back here on Birds 365. Imaginations run wild, and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore, all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind, and get lost in the woods. Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi, everybody. My name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services, the first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. 
And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. Hour number two on a football Friday here on Birds 365. Johnny Mack already took off for the Novacare Complex. Uh, Sean Desai going to meet the media soon, as a matter of fact, before the Eagles practice gets underway at 10. John was thinking they might move it up because it's supposed to be 90 degrees by the time they take the field at 10 o'clock. It's going to be a hot one here in the Delaware Valley, folks. Uh, they didn't. They're, they're keeping their time frame, and Desai's going to talk at about 9.30, and they'll take the field at 10. So I wanted to get your thoughts on Sean Desai there, Farzi. Mark Farzetta in for Johnny Mac, as a matter of fact, as you can see. Much better tan than either me or Johnny Mac. That, <laughs> that, that one's not close. Um, and for those of you who turn into Boot Birds 365 right when we start every day, get here a little early. Catch the Farzi show right here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Um, Sean Desai, interesting hire and position that he's in this year, because as I said before break, he's already a winner because he's not Jonathan Gannon in the eyes of some Philadelphia fans and a couple of the media guys who are a little harsh on Gannon, at least for my taking and or Johnny Mac's taking. Um, but he's got to prove himself. And just because he's not Jonathan Gannon, there are certain things that Philadelphia fan base likes. Blitz, blitz, and then blitz some more. And when you're tired of blitz and blitz again, I don't know that you're going to get that with Sean Desai. I think the reason he's the defensive coordinator is because his mindset is much like Nick Sirianni's who gave him the job, which was much like Jonathan Gannon's. So at least from a scheme standpoint, I don't see the uh, change much in the way the Eagles are going to go about it defensively. There are player changes and you should change your defense accordingly, at least some. If you're asking me, you don't just come in and, all right, well, we got five new starters, but we're going to do the exact same thing. There should be some adjustments. How big an adjustment is it going to be with Sean decides to D.C.? Uh, unfortunately, not much. Um, he's bought himself some time uh, because I think he's a really good speaker, and I don't think that we're going to hear from him as early in his campaign as we did as early in Jonathan Gannon's campaign that he quote, doesn't have a scheme that did not buy Jonathan Gannon a lot of time, unfortunately. So Sean Desai looking at his resume, one year defensive coordinator, as I think every Eagles fan knows by now, he's a disciple of Vic Fangio, which I think every Eagles fan knows by now. But uh, what I think some people are having a hard time coming to grips with, and I know John McMullen says the same thing and I agree with them on this. This is exactly, Jody, as you were alluding to, this isn't necessarily Sean Desai's defensive scheme and his brilliance. Yes, he'll have his, or, you know, uh, incompetence. We don't know yet. He doesn't have, we, he'll have his fingerprints on it, but it's still Nick Sirianni's defense. He's the head coach. This is what he wants to do. Whatever the defense is going to do is going to help his offense. So he's got, he's got his name on everything. It's not just something he says at the end of a bad game. He means it. And this is the type of scheme he wants his defense to run. His philosophy in this day and age of the pass-happy NFL, don't you dare take someone out of coverage to get after a quarterback. Every once in a while, you have an opportunity to do it. Maybe it presents itself during the game. Uh, they call a play that you think you know really well. You know where the ball is going. You can take advantage of it. 
by all means, do it. But it's not just a Jonathan Gannon thing. It's a Nick Sirianni thing. And there's a reason why they went out and they didn't get Vic Fangio or couldn't get Vic Fangio, but they did get somebody who also would have the same philosophy as Vic Fangio, and that is Sean Desai, the same philosophy as Jonathan Gannon, who is two times removed from it, where Sean Desai is only, you know, he's, he's coach for Vic Fangio. So when right. he comes in here, he's going to come in here with a lot of the same stuff. Eagles fans don't want to hear that, but I think he's going to buy his time because, I mean, if you heard his introductory press conference, oh, what's this defense going to be? Oh, it's going to be palpable. You're going to feel it. It's going to reflect. Tell me right now that it wasn't a PR written line that he said the defense is going to reflect the city of Philadelphia. Like, all right, put that on a poster already. Bottom line is we're going to have to see the results. I am optimistic. The pieces that they have on this defense make me optimistic that Sean Desai will have success here. And I do agree with you, it was, uh, at least in thought, PR-based, uh, his stance. But I think he did that himself. I don't think he needed any help. I don't think he got any help. He understands Philly. He was a Temple guy. So he he knows how to play to the mindset of the Philadelphia fans. And boy, did he with his first uh, foray with uh, talking to the media here in town. Give him credit for that. Mm. Uh, interesting take on it's Sirianni's defense. It's funny because we just talked Kelly Green, which takes us back to the Buddy Ryan days. Oof. If Buddy Ryan breaking down a head coach's involvement on a side of the ball was about 95% on the defense and about 5% on the offense, and I really do believe those splits, but he couldn't care with one about he was a defensive coordinator when he became a head coach. It was, yeah, hire an offensive coordinator, then you take care of that. I got to pay attention to my defense. I got to talk to my defensive guys. I got to watch what we're doing on defense. He didn't even know. He probably couldn't name the starting offensive line. Um, if Buddy was 95-5, what do you think the Sirianni breakdown is? Uh, defense? I would say Sirianni. If I if my if my thought process is correct, was I, I talking to some people? It's pretty correct. He's it's a this it doesn't make sense from a building standpoint. But if you're to build a house, Sirianni is giving you the outside of the house and then saying, "Do what you will inside the house." So put your bathrooms wherever, your bedrooms whatever. But this is how you're. It's all got to fit into this overall general scheme. Meaning not being overly aggressive, not taking people out of coverage. You follow these parameters, here are your guidelines, and then from that point on, you do what you will. I would say, what does that make up for a defensive coordinator? Is 25% of your job already done? So that's more than Buddy. Um, that's more than Doug Peterson, I think. But that, to me, is what Nick Sirianni does. He provides the outside structure, the drawing of what it's going to look like, and then you call the plays, you do what you got to do to make sure you have success within that framework. But that's overall the philosophy that Nick Sirianni wants to have. And I think that's what he hands to Sean Desai. And Sean Desai says, okay, all right. Now, some of that's already done by what you hired because you hired another Vic Fangio disciple. So you're going to see a lot of the same stuff anyway. But that's what Nick Sirianni likes. But are you suggesting that he's the same with the offense as he is with the defense? No, because he's actually doing the game. I, I don't think during the course of the season, he's constantly in the room with the defensive coordinator or with the defense, I should say, like he is with the offense. Right. That's that's where I was seeing the differentiation between the percentage breakdown. Because, okay. like I said, couldn't even name 
half of the guys on offense. He met um, Randall, right? Like they've met. No, anyway, I, I uh, think he could pick him out of a lineup, but right. uh, it might be an educated guess. No, but I do think he's far more with the offense. Um, but I do think he sets the parameters, which I think would account for about twenty five percent of the defensive philosophy. And then the other time he's with the offense, and he's not even calling plays, which I think also gives him opportunities to check in on that on that defense even more. Agreed. Um, and I think that at least uh, the guys and the, the quote unquote core four, which I love what Kelsey said the other day. You mean the old guys <laughs> when people talk about he and Lane and uh, Fletcher and, and BG? Uh, yeah, that's exactly what we're talking about. The old guys. Uh, guys <laughs> of which you are uh, one. Um, everyone is singing the praises of Brian Johnson. I know it's just one day. Yeah, they had the OTAs, but their first yeah. day of. Uh, actual camp activity and they said he's a good communicator and he's involved on every aspect of the offense which you need to be if you're a good offensive coordinator but he's not calling play even if he was calling play they're not trying to fool the defense day one in practice (sighs) are you with me same thing i'm sorry until i see it with my own two eyes replacing the ability to call plays at the right time on the right down against the right defense. We saw Shane Steichen do it for a year and a half and he was outstanding at it until we actually see Brian Johnson do it. We don't know that he can do it. It's, it's a legit concern for me. Is it for you? Yeah, I think we, we talked about this the other day. The, my biggest question mark going into the season are the coordinator positions. Like even Sean Desai, I think he's going to be successful. I don't know he's going to be successful. I got to see it. Uh, Brian Johnson, never called plays before. He's been an uh, offensive coordinator at the college ranks. Let me see him do it at the pro ranks now. Let me see how that works. And, yes, as you pointed out, big shoes to fill with Shane Steichen. But I, I know it's training camp. I know it's everyone's really excited and amped up for football, and we all should be, right? But – the praise that has been sung about Brian Johnson already is like the praise that's been sung around Nolan Smith. Like I've seen tweets that Nolan Smith looks fast and people are like, Oh my God, he looks fast. Oh my God. (laughs) And it's like, yeah, okay. He looks fast in shorts and shells saying that Brian Johnson is a good communicator as Jason Kelsey did. And and good on him for saying that. I feel like people are taking that comment and they are running with it. Uh, Jalen hurts. The person that knows Brian Johnson better than anybody at the Novacare complex. When he was asked about Brian Johnson and the differences and what he likes, he even was reserved in his comment. He said, we haven't really done anything. It's day one. Like We haven't done anything yet. But people just, they want something to cling on to, something to grab and say, oh, this is the reason why they're going to have success. Look, we know already they're going to have success. Just like I didn't need to watch a training camp session to know Nolan Smith was fast. I don't need to know that. Uh, from Jason Kelsey or Jalen Hurts, that Brian Johnson is a good communicator. It's one of the things that Nick Sirianni always talks about at this time of the year. It's one of the things he talks about through the season if there's turmoil. They have that communication. The coaches are all on the same page. The players are on the same play with the coaches. Every uh, Same page as the coaches, and everyone has that great communication. So as far as what has been said about Brian Johnson, that's all nice. You know what hasn't been said, which is good? Oh, wow, this jerk can't communicate. That would mean something. But the fact that he's been here, he knows these guys, I, I I have to see it like you, Jody, for all this to come together, even in a preseason game, just to get a taste of that, and then obviously see it come in for the regular season. They did take the company line. I, I will agree with that. Yeah. I just thought uh, it would evoke a response for you, and I was correct. <laughs> right, um, 
<laughs> I do want to run this by you. I give credit to uh, one of our own. Jimmy Kemsky had a uh, fun article on Philly Voice the other day. I'm going to run by the way that he broke down. He called it the hierarchy of the Philadelphia Eagles heading into the 2023 uh, camp. And he affixed descriptive adjectives, phrases, sentences with the players. I'm going to run them quickly by you. If you like them, just say exactly. Or if you go, whoa, 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 he's leaving this guy. He's really saying this about this. Just give me your reaction to the way that he breaks down the players. I thought it was a fun read the other day. All right. Uh, face of the franchise is who, Farzee? Oh, I mean, it's Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. Very yeah. Good. Yeah. Active legends and future Hall of Famers. Okay. Who do you think's there? Jason Kelsey. That would be one. Um, it was Hall of Famers. Uh, future legends was the other one. Active legends. Active legends. Future Hall of Famers. Um, okay. Active legend Jeff Stoutland. Going to be a no, legend they, in this uh, city. Only players. Coach is not included. Good, well, I'm good, adding. Good point, though. I'm uh, making I, an amendment. I agree with you, but he did not make the cut because he's not going to pull on a uniform. This Copy year. that. Copy that. Copy that. Copy that. Okay. Uh, Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson, Brandon Graham. I mean, Fletcher Cox. All right. Well, uh, I guess I need to give you the next category. Oh, boy. Active legends, but not hall worthy. Oh, snap. Uh, Fletcher Cox, <laughs> Brandon Graham. There you go. Stop right there. Okay. Active All right. Legends and future Hall of Famers: Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson. Okay. Active legends, but not quite Hall worthy. Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham. Very good. Uh, you right. and Kemsky on the same page. Uh, we um, do have crazy brains. Star <laughs> players: AJ Brown. That would be one. I'm gonna go Devontae Smith. Mm. No! no, 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 Dallas Goddard. No, ah, think all right, Darius. Think last year, think, think, think best maybe evil season of all the players, if not AJ Brown. Last year, defense that D- Darius Slay, James Bradbury, Max Galore. Oh my God, Hassan Reddick. Hassan Reddick, star players, AJ Brown and Hassan Reddick. Oh my God. On the verge of stardom. Once again, Farzy revisits names he just threw out there. On the verge of stardom. Uh, I'm going to go verge of stardom. Josh Sweat. Is one of them very good with the Josh Sweat? Okay, um, think, think opposite AJ, Devontae Smith, him. yeah, Devontae Smith on the verge of stardom. See, I gotta disagree with this Kemsky fella, and him okay. and I, him and I might, you know, enjoy the same uh pre flight beverage. You're saying Devontae's already a star? I think he is a star. I, if you made Richard Sherman retire, uh, you got a star quality about you. And I think he's a star. And I think even this year with Jalen Hurts you know, taking another step forward and all that jazz, I think he's going to be a star. I think he is a star, and I think he'll be pronounced a star to the masses after gotta, this year. Got to make a pro ball or an all pro. That right. Are, so. That right. Uh, the other guy you mentioned, tight end. Dallas Goddard. Right. Yeah, he's he's got to stay healthy. If he, if he was healthy throughout last season, he's, he's a pro bowler. 
couple of guys on the O-line who aren't Hall of Fame worthy yet, but on the verge of stardom. So you take Lane and Kelsey out, who you left with? Landon Dickerson. And? Is it my lotta? My lotta. Yeah. On the yeah. verge of stardom. I like both. I think he hit them right on the head. Yeah, and I think that's one good. more, that's which good. Farzy, I could give you 20 guesses, and I guarantee you wouldn't come up with it. There's only 90 guys on the roster. I give you 20 guesses, and you would not come up with the other guy that Kempsey's got on the verge of stardom. Aaron Sippo. No. Um, <laughs> is it Nicobe Dean? No. Reed Blankenship. No. I got nothing. Well, you were heading down the right road with Aaron Sippas almost. Jake Elliott. The Jake's that good and compared to the other kickers around the league and only comp him to his competition. Right. That he's, he's, he's not Tucker or Baltimore, but he's damn good on the verge of stardom. Jake Elliott. Now, here's here's where I would separate with Kemsky a little. Okay. Jake is what he is. When you say on the verge, yeah, you're talking good. about heading in that direction. He's going to get there. I guess Jake could jump up and be the best kicker in the NFL this year. Highly unlikely as long as Tucker's still kicking. But I, I, I don't know that he can get to stardom. He's very good. He's one of the better kickers in the league. What a I just Super don't Bowl. know that he can make stardom. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. It's tough because they won so early in his tenure. They won the Super Bowl, so it's like that's where he started out, like w- helping this team win a Super Bowl and turning that season around with the, of course, the sixty-plus yarder against the Giants. Yeah, I feel like we almost take Jake Elliott for granted, uh, and maybe that's what Kempsey was going for. Yeah, so throw some props the kicker's way. So I'm going to call him an almost star. Uh, if that's if that was his line of logic and reasoning, I, I would tip my cap to that. Interesting. Right, next yeah. category. 30-somethings, but still good. <laughs> okay. I mean, not, no repeats here because, like, Jason Kelsey's still pretty yeah. good. No, no, no. These are guys that haven't been mentioned yet. Both on the defensive side of the ball. Fletch has been mentioned. Brandon Graham has been mentioned. Brandon Graham's been mentioned outside. Trying to think who's 30. Oh, uh, Darius Slay, James Bradbury. There you go. Both on the corners. 30-somethings, but still good. Yeah. Potential breakout season. So he's not been mentioned before. All right. Breakouts adds a little surprise to the mix. You might not be thinking of him, but I don't know where he comes. Is it is it Blankenship? No, but that, that I'm I'm okay with that uh, because that's my guy. We when we talked about underrated players, someone we're really not thinking about. I I thought of Reed Blankenship and our friend Derek Gunn said, you know, watch out for Terrell Edmonds. Terrell Edmonds. Watch out for Sidney Brown as the possible starting safeties of this team, which would be interesting. I don't think it happens, but I think it would be interesting. But breakout star, still on the defensive end of things? Defensive line of things. Defensive line of things. Jordan Davis? Can you say a a rookie? Jalen Carter is going to be a breakout star? 
no, no. Well, Milton guess, Williams? Uh, you can say anything. Milton Williams is correct. And okay. if I was being completely fair to you, Farsi, I would have given you all the categories first, and then you could figure out who slots in where. <laughs> I'm just going down straight no, down the list. No, you're doing it the right way. I'm, no, I'm, I'm making it more difficult on you, and you're doing no, a hell of a job. As you're a doing it the right way, because if you would have done it the other way, I, my idiot brain would have had to write down everything yeah, you probably. told me and then been like, you know, you're going to watch me take the SAT, which I know is just riveting. All right, you mentioned rookies, and where do you put Carter in that? This is a non-rookie question, but damn close to it. Big role, big questions. Mm. Two guys. They have a big role on the team, but they're big questions coming in. I mean, I think Jalen Carter is one of those guys. Yeah, I said no rookies. Oh, I'm sorry. No rookies. No rookies. Big questions coming in. Both on defense. <sighs> I mean, I'm going I'm to throw Blankenship's name out there to try both, to match with Kempsky. former with Georgia Bulldogs. Oh, N'Kobe Dean. And... Jordan Davis. Yes, very good. Starter or backup? <laughs> now here's where your boy comes in. Two okay. specific positions. The two guys who are doing battle at that position. Reed Blankenship. Correct. <laughs> Finally. Finally. And Terrell Edmonds. No, that he's handed Edmonds the job, so it's... Oh, he's handed Edmonds the job, so it's uh, Cindy Brown. Yes, Okay. Reed Blankenship and Sidney Brown and the other big camp battle to be determined. Man, is... Kemp, I'm gonna have to text. I'm gonna have to text uh, Kemsky. What a crazy man he is! Right. Uh, uh, what's the other camp battle ongoing? As it is, certainly not deemed a starter yet. Right. But day one, one guy got the nod over the other. That would be who? Jergens versus Jergens uh, Tyler Steen. Yeah. Tyler Steen would be the other. I like that category, starter or backup. Mm -hmm. Exciting rookies under the microscope. Here's your boy. My boy, uh, uh, Jalen Carter. And his, his dog, former dog teammate. Uh, Nolan Smith. Nolan Smith outside. Very good. Those yeah. are the two exciting rookies under the microscope. Sure. Roster lock, comma, expanded role. Roster and has lock. not been mentioned yet. Roster lock. Lock. And expanded role. Specialized role. Specialized expanded role. I uh, guess. Where the hell did I come up with expanded? Doesn't say expanded here. I read specialized as expanded. <laughs> specialized if, role. If it is, if oh. it's working, it will be expanded. I can guarantee you that. Is it a running back? Um. Oh shit! My bad. <laughs> two different roles. There are two roster lock categories. One okay. is expanded role. One is specialized role. I didn't just make it up. I read two different lines. So the expanded role is who? Uh, the position uh, you just asked about. Ken, Kenny Gainwell. Kenny Gainwell. Very good. Bottom boot, bottom nail on the head. All right. The <laughs> one that I misread, Lost to Rock specialized role. So he's already in for sure, but the role he's going to have is very specialized. Quez? Not Quez. I got, I, I got nothing. Uh, Avante Maddox as your nickelback slot corner specialized. Oh, I call hogwash. Okay. Nickel right, corner specialized anymore, Jimmy. Come it's, on. It's kind of the base defense. You're right. I'm what with, are we doing I'm kind here? of with you on that one, Farzana. What kind of list is this, Joe? And, and Britton <laughs> Covey, who is, yeah, I, he's a lock. John said this the other day. 
they don't have anyone else who can return punts. That's true. Devontae Smith could do it, but they're not about to put him at risk. So Covey can't be cut. So the lock to make the team, I have to agree with both Jimmy and and Johnny Mack. And I guess it's specialized because you don't usually think of punt returners as locks to make the team. And and he's, he's like the fifth wide receiver who's never going to play. He's right. never going to be on the field to actually right. catch a pass. Yeah. So it truly is a specialized role. I, I agree wholeheartedly with Covey, but I'm with you, Avante Max. Specialized? What are you talking about? He's on the field most of the plays. That's not specialized. Mm. Um, cautious excitement. Uh, it's a name I haven't, we haven't mentioned. You have n- neither. Uh, three different players, none of which have been named so far. Cautious excitement. Is it DeAndre Swift? That's one. I don't like it. Think, um, part, think partner back there. Oh, uh, Rashad Penny? That's two. Got one more left to go. Oh, on the opposite me. side of the ball. Uh, on the opposite side of the ball. Cautious Been playing well in practice this spring, so people are <laughs> thinking he could step in and grab a starting spot even though he spent more time on the practice squad last year than he did on special teams for the big squad. I am. I'm stumped. I don't even know. Christian Ellis. Oh, excitement. Uh, Uh, Here's a fun Jimmy did another category, did he? Anyway, he's he's got a ton of category. Uh, And I know we got to get the break, Xander. We will in just a second, but we're having too much fun with this. This Um, Hope they don't have to play, but happy that they're here. I love that category. <laughs> now, Hope if, they if, don't have to play, but happy that they're here. At this point, if you didn't tell me who wrote this, I would have guessed it. <laughs> um, I hope they don't play, but happy they're here. Dennis Kelly? That's one. Very good. This is the creeping. Added the, the late addition to the list. Far this is, got first. This is next, thing you, next thing you know, I'll be doing Microsoft Paint Doodles. I'm thinking so much like Kemsky. Yeah. Um, all right, Dennis Kelly is one of them, but I hope he doesn't play. Uh, oh, Marcus Mariota. Marcus Mariota, the first on the list. Very good. The other well, one, uh, I got yeah. a couple more. I'll give you a hint. Think, beat New York Giants. Boston Scott. Boston Scott is absolutely on the list. Think, best backup offensive lineman can play absolutely everywhere. Not Dennis Kelly. J- Jack, uh, Jack Driscoll? Jack Driscoll, absolutely right. Now, the other two I kind of debate. <laughs> He's got Zach McPherson and Josh Job. Ooh. I think more of Zach than that. Happy that they don't have to play. I'm yeah. going to be good when Zach plays this year. I think that you know for a fact Devontae Max is going to get hurt at some point because he always does. I think Zach's going to go in and do a, a good job. Um, so I don't buy that one. And, and yeah. Josh Job, I think, is more to be determined. Um, oh, yeah. Let yeah. me just run. I know we got to get the break, but let me just, uh, I, I, I won't make you guess on any of these. I'll just fill <laughs> uh, New vets will know more about soon. Uh, Alamade Zacchaeus, Terrell Edmonds, Nicholas Morrow. Yeah, all three could go one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, like that, we'll know more. Honeymoon period, Keely Ringo and Morrow Ojomo, right? First year players, blah, blah, blah. The team likes them more than you do. Let's get that one. Who do you think falls in? Derek Barnett. Derek Barnett? Not on the list. What? But he should be. You are so right. That is ridiculous. 
Correct. No, two other guys, uh, one DB, one uh, uh, one backup tight end. Oh, uh, Kayvon Wallace. Is the Eagles like him better than John Hugh Public does? Yeah. And the backup tight end is? Oh, um. Oh, stole. They went Jack Stoll over Calcaterra. I'm, I'm, uh, that, that's certainly true with me because I'm a Calcaterra guy. When he gets yeah. cut this year, I'm going to be pissed. Um, <laughs> the battle for emergency quarterback supremacy. That's pretty easy. Tanner McKee and Ian Book. Uh-huh. Uh, on the verge of falling out of favor. Ooh, this is a good one. Okay, now I'm going to mention One name Derek. you've thrown out already. I'm going to say Derek Barnett. Not Barnett. What the? What the? What the uh, one name I've thrown out already on the verge of the team losing. He hasn't fa- been in any of the categories. I've mentioned Kayvon Wallace. W- uh, WR3. Oh, Quez. Quez, Sue Opetta, and oh, wow. Sean Bradley. Potential of falling out of favor. Okay. My show improvement year three to make the team. Patrick Johnson, Marlon Tui, Pelotu. I like those. Uh, mushroom improvement year two to make the team. My guy, Greg Calcaterra and Kyron Johnson. Fans, last one, Farzi. Fans right. are actively rooting against them to make the team. <laughs> uh, who are we rooting against? Who do we not like in you this mentioned town? mentioned him about eight times so far. You've been waiting for him to fall into a category. Derek Barnett. Derek Barnett. <laughs> fans are actively rooting against them to make the team. What is the difference between that and the team likes them more than we do? Hey, there's a slight difference. Uh, and the other two, Aaron Sipas and Josiah Scott. <laughs> Josiah Scott, all you have to say is third and 30. That, yeah, that okay. explains it all. Fair Sorry, enough. Josiah, you weren't coming back from that one. With Terrible. No, you're absolutely uh, right. He's Mark Farzetta in for John <laughs> McMullen today. Thought we'd have some fun with that. <laughs> that was uh, great, man. Uh, on a, a slow day here on Birds 365. Johnny Mac down in practice. Uh, he'll surely be back with me on Monday. Farzy coming back with me next. We still got plenty left here on Birds 365. stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank. 
the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to left. Fake a mom. Mama, go. Oh, mama! She did it. Again? You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh huh. E A G L E S. Eagles. Appreciate you streaming in here on Birds 365, a football Friday. Jody Mac here, Johnny Mac out down at Eagles training camp. Uh, they'll get their second official open to the media workout in. They did a walkthrough yesterday. Maybe get some details today on what the walkthrough yesterday was. We'll see how much work they're actually going to do in 90-degree heat at 10 o'clock in the morning. It's going to be a hot one out there today, Philadelphia. So if you haven't headed out yet, uh, when you do, make sure you're uh, bringing a, a thing of water with you. Make sure you're well covered up because uh, it's going to be a hot one. All right, uh, Mark Fards, that filling in for John McMone, doing an outstanding job with me today. A couple of things I want to uh, touch on, Mark. Teams around the National Football League that are on the Eagles' schedule this year. Mm. Did you see the smack talking that Sean Payton did about the Jets? Uh, yes, and I love Robert Saylor's response. Just keep talking. Yeah, that's fine. But, yeah, I, Sean Payton's back with an attitude, man. Where did that come from? One year in TV and all of a sudden he's <laughs> Buddy Ryan talking smack? <laughs> yeah, he's chock full of opinions. He was a nice reserve coach with the Saints. He wasn't calling out other organizations, putting other people on blast. I guess one year out of the game gave him a new perspective because he just buried Nathaniel Hackett, the Jets offensive coordinator. Maybe the worst coaching job ever in the history of the NFL, setting himself up for uh, success in Denver. Well, I'm going to be better than the guy who was the worst coach in the history of the NFL. Uh, and that the Jets are already talking too much for his liking because they're going to be on hard knocks or whatever. Jets and Broncos play week five, which I think the Eagles play week six. Uh, let me look that up real fast because the Eagles and Jets play early in the season. It may well be that could work out really well for the Eagles because Denver against the Jets, yeah, it's an in-conference, but it's out of a division game. It's not as big a game as other games on the Jets. Oh, Sean Payton just made it one of the biggest games of the year for the Jets with his trash talking. <laughs> and I think the Eagles are up the week after. So, yeah, maybe the Eagles just, uh, you know, there it is. Jets schedule Buffalo, Dallas, New England, Kansas City, which... Oh, by the way, that's a pretty tough start to a year. Yeah, really. Buffalo, Dallas, Patriots, who they never beat. Jets can't beat Patriots to save their life. Kansas City. Wow, that's four tough games to start. 
Denver's supposed to be like an easy week, even though it's on the road, and then home against the Eagles the week after. Yeah, I think Sean Payton did the Eagles a big favor by uh, getting the Jets that much more pumped up for that Bronco game. A little letdown the week after against Philadelphia. Look, I, I know people like to dispel um, bulletin board material. Let's not forget the Eagles won a Super Bowl with a ton of bulletin board material. And I think a guy like Jalen Hurts is very motivated by bulletin board material. Um, it matters. There is zero doubt in my mind. When people dispel it, I go, I, I think the underdog run would beg to differ with that. But yeah, you get that team amped up. You get them acting like that week five matchup is going to be a Super Bowl for them, and they're going to be defending their own coaches, and they're going to be defending their own honor. Yeah, that is a little extra added motivation. And I'll say this. as a, If you're a coach, player, whatever it might be, Micah Parsons saying he thinks the Cowboys are the, the team to beat in the NFC. Um, in sports, we all know that it's, it's sometimes it's difficult. We don't like it, but sometimes it's difficult for teams to always maintain that focus. Like you have to be focused to have success in the NFL. You have to have that laser focus to succeed. Sometimes they drift. Sometimes minds drift and things can get lost in the schedule. A, a, a game where the Jets are playing, the Broncos might get lost in the schedule. Don't do anything as a coach or player to make somebody pull focus. Like, let them deal with their own distractions, the ebbs and flows of their own seasons. Don't make them circle dates on calendars. And you're right, Jody, that could absolutely help the Eagles. If that game before them is circled on the calendar and oh, yeah. all their focus is pulled on that, that means their focus is not going to be on the next week's game. Not that it ever should be, but amping up that previous week, that could be a great thing for the Eagles. And, and oh, by the way, I just ran down those four games for you. Jets are going to be lucky to be 2-2 two and two out of their first four. Okay. Home Buffalo at Dallas, home New England at at uh, well home Kansas City. So three of their first four are home. Um, two and two. They if they're three and one, I take it. But oh, then they got the bye week. No, the bye after the Eagles. Yeah, they, they, they look ahead to the bye week. Look ahead to the bye week. No reason to even think about that Eagles game. That's a, that's a good uh, a good bit of scheduling for the Eagles. That worked <laughs> out well. Um, here's oh, they, hold on, Jody. They got the Giants after the bye week. The Eagles won't even be on their radar. They look right past the Eagles, <laughs> except for the fact that at least one talk show host has already said it's going to be an all-green Super Bowl between the Jets and Eagles. So, Jets, if you're out there, don't don't look past the Eagles because you're going to have to play them later in the <laughs> Do good scouting after the fact. All right. Uh, another guy who had uh, something to say yesterday who you would think would have an effect against Eagles this year but I'm not sure he's going to, is Saquon Barkley um, signed the contract uh, with the incentives for 900000 but no more uh, money than he would have if he stayed on the franchise tender. And he said he had an epiphany yesterday that even if he held out, was he really going to be in any better position? Do you really think if he didn't play and the Giants went – four and 13 that they'd say, Oh, now we have to play space. Like one the $15 million. Chances are no. And Oh, by the way, he's giving up his entire salary. So he said, yeah, I kind of needed to do this for my family. Good on him that he at least opened up his eyes to the reality of the situation. That being he screwed. Uh, <laughs> he couldn't get around it. So he had to deal with it. So he signed and he went in. Um, here's where it may play. This might be a little look into Eagle colored glasses. What do you think the Giants are going to be this year, Farsi? 
Uh, I think the Giants are going to be a nine-win team. I, I think. I just think they're really. I think, regardless of personnel, I just think they're a really well-coached team. I think, and I, I don't. I have zero respect for Daniel Jones. I, I just don't like Daniel Jones. I don't think he's a good quarterback. Um, bringing in Darren Waller, I think, is going to help uh, their their offense. But I just don't see them as being a team that is going to be worth bragging about. Let's put it that way. I, I'm probably right there with you around 500. I don't think they're in the mix for the division at all. And I think they're going to be fighting their tail off just to make it as a wild card. You remember last year, Eagles and Giants played the last week of the season. One of the two teams had nothing to play for. That was the Giants. Mm -hmm. They were already locked into their wild card spot. Couldn't move up, couldn't move down. They uh, put up the we surrender flag before it ever started. The Eagles actually had to win that last game to secure home field advantage throughout the entire playoffs. So it was a weird setup the way that it went. And, of course, the Eagles and the Giants play again the last week of the season this year. As a matter of fact, they play week 16 and week 18, both matchups late in the year. What happens if it goes bad? <laughs> you you and I are giving us the Giants around 500 and them. What what if they're like five and eleven going mm -hmm. into week? Saquon's going to pack it in. He's oh, the, just yeah. going to check out. He's going to say, "Oh, and you want me to put my body at risk after I came in and did you the solid by playing that you did me no solid? Oh, nine hundred thousand fans. Screw you and your extra incentives. I don't care. I'm outie five thousand. <laughs> I think there's a chance that uh, Saquon doesn't play those last two games against him. absolutely. Absolutely. And I, the, as we talked about the other day, I am very curious to see where this whole running back thing goes because no one's going to want to play running back. No one's going to want to, like, if you're B. John Robinson, for instance, you might make some money on a rookie deal. You'll make money on your rookie deal, and then you'll try to get more money and they won't pay you because it's almost like the biggest guarantee in sports is that second contract ain't going to be worth it. Um, for the team, that is. So this whole scenario that has played out with Saquon Barkley, I mean, to use your phrase, you, know, you run up the white flag. You you surrender. Uh, and you came in early. And other running backs around the league are like, bro, come on, man. Help us out. You can, you have some sway here. So I think the only way he really catches it, because he's not going to cash in much later in his career, unfortunately, because that's the way, that's the nature of the business. But he's going to get that money now. Then he's going to make sure that he can, is as healthy as possible before he signs that next contract. So, yes, if it all does go belly up for the Giants this year, which it absolutely could, yeah, he's going to preserve himself as much as he possibly can in the later games of the season. And he, I'm assuming you don't blame him one iota for doing so. No, I don't. I, I, I don't. Um, especially if he has the opportunity to make more money if he's healthy at the start of next year. I would agree wholeheartedly with that. All right, uh, another note from around the league. Uh, you think Dalvin Cook, speaking of running backs, think Dalvin Cook signs with the Jets today? Uh, definitely possible. Uh, if you're a running back, you'd love to have a, a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, obviously. Um, I think that would be a good fit for them. They they definitely need help on the ground, and I think the more they add to their off uh, offensive arsenal, uh, obviously only helps them. And if you get a guy in there that can run the football as well as Dalvin Cook and still run the football, I mean, look at the upgrades you've made right there. Those are number one guys at the you know quarterback spot, obviously Hall of Fame, 
still playing at that level. And then obviously a number one guy to hand the ball to. So yeah, I think it's a good possibility that happens. And Rogers not only redid his contract, he took a haircut, a $35 million haircut over two years to uh, keep the Jets afloat. And he's committed for another year. So that's good. They're going to need him with that schedule. I just ran down there. They, they got their work cut out for him early in the season due to the Jets and um, and the Brees Hall, they like the running back they have, but they just don't know if he's going to be ready for the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. So you go out and get yourself a running back. So that could happen today. And one last one, Eagles opponent again this upcoming year. The general manager, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, said he's excited because it's the first time since he's been the GM of the Bucs, and I think it's like eight years for Todd Light, that they're having an actual quarterback competition that every other year they had their quarterback in place. It was Jameis until it wasn't Jameis, and then it became Brady. So they're actually having a quarterback competition. Yeah, the problem is that neither one of the quarterbacks are really all that good. Do you think Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask is the guy who's taking snaps early in the season when the Eagles and the Bucks do battle? Um, I think they're going to go Trask, actually. Uh, I know they really liked him. I know some local analysts really liked Trask as well. Uh, coming out of Florida, they really liked the um, um, where he could up uh, oh, the Eagles press conference is restarting on my phone. Sorry. Um, I think they really liked him coming out of Florida. Uh, they like some tangibles there. I think they go young for the opportunity to build for the future. And Baker Mayfield ain't gonna like it. Ain't gonna like it a little bit. But I think they end up going young in that situation. See, now, if I if I were at the Eagles media day today and had access to Brian Johnson, I would ask him, hey, can Kyle Trask be the starting quarterback for the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks this year? Because he had Trask when he was down in Florida. And John McMillan would scold me because you can't ask such a stupid question because he's not really going to answer it. And we only got so many questions. So shut up, McDonald. Don't you be asking dumb questions. <laughs> if, I, if, I, if I were there today, I would try and get that answer out of the coast. But that's just me because I'm a little weary. You're a uh, bulldog. That's why. Because you're, you're a bulldog. No, nah, I'm just a little weird. Uh, he's Mark Farzetta, <laughs> fellow weirdo. Here with us on Birds 365. We got to come back. You know what we do at the end of the show, Farzetta? What's that? We always put a bow on the show. Oh, okay. Sounds nice. Imaginations run wild and time stands still because here you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods.
and save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Hi, everybody. My name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech, we offer three major services, the first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles Mark Farzetta in for Johnny Mac here on Birds 365. Jay Mac already over at the Eagles uh, practice facility. They're going to get maybe 48 minutes in today would be my guess. It's way too freaking hot to be. And the Eagles trend toward doing less. Less is more anyway. And in today's seat, you can't really blame them. Uh, so Johnny Mack, I uh, already heard from the defensive coach, Sean Desai. Be interesting to see what he says. Check out John on Twitter. Uh, I'm sure he'll be updating some stuff there. Um, let me ask you about the guy who spoke on uh, Wednesday, Howie Roseman. We haven't touched on Howie at all today. Uh, before you know it, we're going to have the joint practice and the preseason, and then we're going to get to uh, the week before the season. And we'll find out if the Eagles are going with the linebackers they have or if Howie Roseman has made a change or an addition, which would probably include a subtraction. If I gave you these three options, Mark Farzetta, tell me which is most likely. The linebackers on this team, on this roster as of today, will be the same group that is on the roster week one. Howie Roseman will make a trade, probably not a big one, but a uh, day three draft pick somewhere thereabouts to get themselves at least more depth, if not a better and improved starter at linebacker. Or the Eagles will be playing the comb the waiver wire game after that cut down all the way from 90 to 53 and everybody and his brother becomes available and you just have to pick out the right guy, procure his services, claim him, win the waiver claim, because that's a problem. Eagles are going next to last on the waiver claim. Anybody who puts in a waiver claim, you got to go through 30 teams before you get to the Eagles because the only one that has the waiver rights after them is the Kansas City Chiefs. So that's kind of a nervy game to play and think you're going to get there. You could get lucky, but it's nervy just the same. Which of those three is most likely they're good as is, they trade for a linebacker, or they go waiver wire purposes? I think the most likely scenario is they trade for a linebacker. And as you said, third, fourth, fifth rounder is probably what they're going to do for depth. Well, more well, so well, than well, anything. Well, time out for Zeta. Did you say third rounder? I thought you said third rounder. No, I said day two. Oh. Oh, no, I meant day two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Did I right, say yeah. day two? Excuse me. They're not going to trade it. Two. You might be right. You're correcting me. All right, all right. Because if you dare to talk about a day two pick, yeah. John McMullen will shoot you down. The Eagles you're, don't give up day two picks. No, and no. they're not doing it that for It has to depth. be day three 
rounds four, five, six, or seven. They're not giving up a first, second, or third rounder for depth. So let's just let me let, let just be. If, if if the guy's good enough to start, will they give up a third round pick? Uh no, because yeah. I think they have a guy like Nicobe Dean who was already a third round pick, although it was supposed to be a steal. Whatever. I let's let me let me say this so people understand where I'm coming from. Nicobe Dean is your starting middle linebacker this season. Yep. Okay. I think they do want depth. I think when you're starting to talk about names like Christian Ellis, for instance, and you're even starting to talk about names like um Von Sumeran, right? Yeah. Out of Michigan, Michigan State, Michigan, right. then Michigan special State. Special team specialist. Yeah. Special team specialist that is very raw, was a running back, fullback, and then made the transition to linebacker. Um, I hear a lot of people just rave about him ba- basically ba- based on his like physical abilities, That's but not right. necessarily his yeah. linebacking abil- abilities. If he really shows that he can learn quickly and he could be depth when it comes to the linebacking position, then maybe they don't make another acquisition. But I don't see that happening, which is why I do think the middle thing happens, to your points. I think they add to the linebacking core. draft pick. Yes. The guy I wanted, in case you hadn't caught the show, which you should have seen at least once because we talk about it every day for for four weeks. Uh, I'm a Patrick Queen fan from Baltimore, and he had a really good last season – uh, with the Ravens, and it's gotten progressively better every single year. His first year as a rookie for where he was drafted in the first round, you might even call it disappointing. His second year was fine. His third year was really good. They chose not to pick up the fifth-year option, so he's playing on the fourth year of his deal. Um, I said I would give up a third-round pick to get my hands on him. John said, there's no way they're going day two. And said, well, then you're not going to get him. And I uh, had Vinny Serrato on, who does talk uh, sports talk in Baltimore every day, a couple of weeks ago, and said, yeah, they're not trading him, uh, that whole thing, because they didn't pick up the fifth-year option. Ooh, they're looking to move away from him. No, they're not. They're, they're going to keep him. They're going to play him. So it became a non-story anyway. But I think he's worthy of at least a, a third-round pick. Um, that's why uh, John and I always argue about it. No way Harry Roseman's giving up a day-two pick for a linebacker. They don't value linebackers enough to give up a day-two pick. And John's probably right, but uh, I'm just a bigger Patrick Queen fan. Yet they have a day-two guy starting. Yeah, and I'm one of those who said he was a day-two, second half of day-two, a third-round pick we should have gotten in the second round, and the Eagles were lucky. Oh, but the Eagles hate when you say that they're lucky. They were lucky that he fell to him in the third round, and yes, I think he's going to have a big year this year. Mark Frazetti, you did an outstanding job for John McMullen. We may test you to do so again because Johnny Mack's got to run as often as he does over to practice. Whenever you and I get together, be it here on Birds 365 or if you need me on the Farsi show, I'm down with your brother. Anytime you need me, hopefully you and I can do this again. Back at you. Uh, Tonight, I'll be back, by the way, with Phillies coverage for the Jacob Media Fightins postgame show. So don't miss that after Phillies Pirates tonight. 7.05 start time for the game. I'll be on right after. Very nice. Uh, we appreciate Mark Farzetta. Thank you very much for streaming in. Hopefully everybody has a good weekend. Either be in the pool. Farzetta's got a pool. He's living large out there. In the Come summer. on over. So uh, if you know where Farzetta lives, stop on by. If not, find your own pool. But stay uh, cool, everybody, this weekend. It's going to be a hot one. But we will be back here on Bird Street 65 Monday in two and two days, that is. You've been listening to Birds 365. The 
the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.